no matter the difficulty. And I felt like it was like God talking to myself, like, yeah, it took you 20 years to be a midwife, but guess what? No matter the difficulty of delay or delay, you achieved your success. Meaning that you can get to where you need to be. You just have to have perseverance. You have to believe and believe that it will come through. Hi, my name is Augustine Colebrook, and I'm the principal at Midwifery Wisdom Collective. I speak on this podcast about big picture, political issues, and the future of our profession. Hey, y'all. I am Jamara, and I'm a midwife. I'm also a birth justice activist. And this season, I am looking forward to sharing stories of Black midwives and the communities they serve. Hello, beloved birth community. I'm Angela Love, nurse midwife since 2004, preceptor, and mother. I have a home birth practice called Midwife Love and a national telehealth practice called Midwife RX. My mission is to keep birth choices available and to educate the next generation of midwives for our daughters and grandchildren. Matriarchy Now. I'm Layla Wyatt. I get to share with you the voices of student midwives from across the country and beyond. This season, we focus on those students who just graduated, are about to sit for the NARM, or did yesterday, and we get tips and tricks for you for what happens at the end of the student midwife journey. Well, welcome to today's podcast of Midwifery Wisdom. I'm Angie Love, nurse midwife, nurse practitioner practicing in Vero Beach and also doing telehealth in Florida and Utah with Midwife RX. And I am here with Christina Jamine. Do you want to introduce yourself, Christina? Yeah, sure. Hi, everyone. My name is Christina Jamine. Um, I'm a licensed midwife here in the state of Florida at Black Sisters Midwifery Services. And I'm also um, the founder and uh, CEO of Black Sisters Birth Academy. Um, I am a mom, I'm a, <laughs> I'm an author um, to uh, my first publication called My Mommy Makes Milk, and so that's pretty exciting, um, and yeah, that's me in a nutshell. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. I'm so happy you could be with me, and I'm sorry for mispronouncing your name. It's been a while since I've talked about, talked to you and, and heard your name again, Jemine. <laughs> yes. Okay, and we're coming to you today on this lovely day of uh, September 2nd, and I have a little bit of COVID going on, so if you notice my voice is a little raspy, <laughs> it's a perfect time to do a podcast because uh -huh. it's virtual. <laughs> okay, so um, Christina, you want to talk to us and tell us a little bit about your journey to midwifery? Um, so I would say my uh, journey to midwifery was a long one in the making to a certain degree. I would call it 20 years in the making. Um, I was 16 years old, a junior in high school, and it was time for us to, you know, to figure out, quote unquote, <laughs> like what you want to do for college if you're going to college. And um, a mutual friend of mine that was at her house and she was cleaning her room and she's literally like tossing a book, like kind of passing me a book like, hey, you want this book? I don't want it. I'm about to throw it out. Um, her mom, I believe, got it from like a maybe a college fair or some kind of fair um, and she didn't want it. And I was like, okay, sure, I'll take it. And this particular book was a book that was like all inclusive of all the health professions um, inside of that book. And what was interesting about the book, it was that it also, in that book, it tells you about the different characteristics and trait of whatever profession that, you know, you deemed you interested in. It also gave you the educational pathway. So one day I decided to like, you know, open the book. I'm like, well, I got to get my life together. <laughs> Let me figure out what I want to do. And I happened to be skimming the book because I'm not usually a big avid reader, to be honest. And this book was huge. And I, I happened to skim on to midwifery particular book it only mentioned the nurse midwife I did not even know there was other pathways and of course I'm like 16 so I didn't really think to look further into if is there a different way so the pathway that was written inside that book said you know to do get your bachelor's of science in nursing and then go get your master's in midwifery so at that time I had you know aspirations to possibly go to Howard University or um, Buffalo University because I'm originally from Brooklyn I'm from Brooklyn New York and so my parents I would um 
they had a different thought pattern. I was raised Seventh-day Adventist. So they were like, why don't you go to Oakwood College? And um, Oakwood College is a school, um, a Seventh-day Adventist school um, in Huntsville, Alabama. And I was just like, oh, I don't want to go. <laughs> and, um, and especially due to the factor that they did not have a Bachelor's of Science in Nursing program. They only had an associate. So I'm like, I'm not going to waste my time. That's what I'm telling my parents. Like, I'm not going to waste my time going to uh, an associate program when I need a bachelor's. <laughs> so that was like my like, yeah, I don't have to go. And then all of a sudden, I promise you, out of nowhere, they were like publicizing, like, oh, we just opened a new BSN program. Like, ah. <laughs> so I was like, oh man, I might as well check it out. So that was that was a big part of my journey to a certain degree and um, going to that particular school. And the reason why I said that is because I felt to me personally, it was a bit, a little bit deceiving in regards to like the marketing of that program. Um, they were saying they had a hundred percent passing rate, which was factual, but of course, unbeknownst to us as freshmen or green little 17 year olds that, you know, I think that based on the data was only like one or two people sat for their boards. So now you have this bustling new class of freshmen, 40, you know, green faces, happy to be like, we, you know, this school can prepare us. We're going to, you know, we're going to do this. So 40 out of 40, we ended up with 10 our senior year that, you know, made it through the program and out of 10, only five got their degrees. And um, the reason being is that they changed our testing software from ATI, which is a testing software in nursing school that you can utilize to something called HESI. And so we never seen HESI until three months prior to uh, graduation. So they were like, yes, this is now your testing software. And they passed us like a book with a CD-ROM and we're like, had to like learn all the things. And so that particular test, the benchmark is 750, but you can raise it to whatever you choose to. And so they chose to raise it at 900. So I remember the day of the test like no other. I sat for it and I believe I got an 856 or 864, one of them, because you're allowed three times to take the exam. And I remember like I was shocked because I was like, I studied hard. Like I, I felt like after nursing school, I should have been a doctor, like instantly, like just sign me up guys. Um, and even my teachers were shocked. Like, you know, I don't get it. I'm like, I don't get it too. And the biggest thing, the reason why I say that, and that's why I'm very, I'm not a big fan of tests um, for that purposes. Cause when I took the test, it was 150 questions. And out of 150 questions, I got 15 wrong and I did not get their quote unquote 900. And that test was based off of like a point value system. So like, say for example, one question could be worth a thousand points and one question could be worth like five points. So to me, I feel like that's not a good definitive marker of how well someone will perform in the field. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of people that are book smart, but they're not, you know, you know, skill wit, if you would say, <laughs> or they don't have the practical skills to actually function in the space, you know? Long story short, um, I said, okay, what am I going to do? Because they tied our exit examination to one of our nursing courses to automatically drop you from the program, <laughs> which that's why I said, I felt like this was like fraud to me. Like, what is this? <laughs> so long story short, um, I was like, what am I going to do? So I spoke to the head of the academic department of that school. And he was like, um, how about we, how about you just I give you your bachelor's of science in general studies, and at least you can go do your master's. And I thought to myself, okay, well, it's better than getting flunked for my nursing program and not being able to do anything. So a lot of us, the five that were remaining, um, that's what we did. We, we, um, we already had enough credits to actually get a bachelor's of science. So we just switched to whatever we could fill into. Like some of us went to public health. I needed an extra history class. So I did not that's the reason why he offered that particular, you know, degree to me. Cause he's like, instead of you spending more money, you know, do that. Um, so long story short, I came home back to Brooklyn, New York. And I was like, I felt like I was in a mental fog because I couldn't believe that I worked so hard for something and it was not attainable. Like there was some big barrier um, for me to attain it. So I said, you know what, I'm going to do an accelerated one year. And so I applied to a school, um, Stony Brook University at that time to claim the application pool was full. And so, um, at that moment as well, I sat for my PN boards, which is the practical nurse boards. Um, and they had a pathway that was literally being closed that same month I found out about it to, if you're in nursing school, you can actually sit for it. So I sat for it, I passed it, I started working at, um, in a woman's health clinic um, in Elmhurst, uh, it was Elmhurst Hospital in Queens, New York. I worked there for about three months. It wasn't really my cup of tea. Um, and so I asked for, I saw that there was an opening at the hospital. I worked the majority of my nursing career. It was um, Kings County Hospital. I'm always gonna give them, you know, shout out to them and say thank you for, you know, cause they really helped me to like refine my skills. They 
kind of made me put on my big girl boots instantly. Like, hey, you got this. Go ahead, do your thing. Um, so it was mother baby unit. And so for about six years, I worked there. And I think it was quite interesting that I started January 7th uh, of 2008 there, and I literally had my daughter there in 2009 and a year later. And so um, I also um, put my daughter in the part of my midwifery journey because she was really pivotal. Um, it also helped me to change my factor in regards to birth. Um, I have a note because I took some notes to help me prepare myself, but I felt like her birth, yeah, her birth taught me about like um, people un unintentionally violating you. Like you're not, they're not aware of it. They just believe they're just doing their job. But that her birth really changed my mind in regards to like, I need to be a midwife. <laughs> I need to, you know, I need to do this. And so what happened was I- Can I make a point on that? Yeah. Yeah, I think a really good phrase that I've learned is that effect- or impact is more important than intention. So yes. a lot of people, whatever they're doing, oh, I'm just doing my job, or I didn't mean to hurt you, or I didn't mean to violate, that really doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. What matters the most is the impact or the effect that you've had on the patient or client. Yeah. And so that was, that was, for me, a thing. It was just like, wow, do you know? It's like after you come out the fog of like be, having a baby, it's like, do you know how much people literally, you know, did a vaginal exam on you and didn't even tell you their name or didn't even wake you up to say, hi, I'm going to do a check. <laughs> and to me, when I rehashed it afterwards, I felt to myself like, wow, I mean, how many other people are just like waking up to somebody doing a vaginal exam? I remember very vividly waking up to them try to put the, um, the electro probe onto my child's head. And it was actually a student. I didn't know. I was like literally sleeping. And I remember waking up, I was like, ow. And then the, 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 the head, um, the resident, or he was like, oh, you're doing it wrong. And I was just like, doing what? What are you even doing? <laughs> And he didn't tell me, it's just that I had the knowledge of it because I was a nurse. It's just that I worked in postpartum and I worked the graveyard shift or the night shift. So some of the morning doctors may have not been aware of who I was, but I was aware of who they were because <laughs> I would see them coming off. And sometimes I would even have to give report to them, you know, in crossing sometimes. But of course I was just a year in, so they may have not still gotten acclimated, some of them to who I was. So long story short, that really was a very eye-opening to me about like how that can be a thing in a, a space that is not, it was not supposed to be that way ever. It was not designed, like birth was not designed to be that way. Yeah. And I asked you one question too, when you said you were back in high school and you were reading that book and you were initially checking out all the different health sciences, what drew you to midwifery? I, my thing was the characteristics and traits. Um, like the charismatic mannerism of like what a midwife was or her, her nature of um, being with people. I, that was really what like drawn to me. Like I, I just have a natural inclination to be with people and I couldn't, I, I feel like I'm very like, uh, I would say empathetic. And so due to my, I can, I don't have to be in your shoes to understand what you may be going through. I just, I just have a natural gift of empathy um, and not necessarily to a default. I just think it's it, in a, it, it helps to be an empathetic person as a midwife. That's what I feel like. <laughs> and so, yeah, I feel like so, so you're saying that the description of what a midwife is like mm -hmm. to you resonated with you of like, that's how I am. That's yeah. It was like, that's me. That's I, I like, would really. love I would love if you, I don't know if you still have that book, but I would love to see what they described the midwife as. Yeah. And it's so interesting that you mentioned it because um, recently I did, my dad transitioned in 2020. I, I kind of feel like I lost time with it because it was just like, it just felt like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this happened. Um, 2021. Yeah. 2021 in February. So I actually ended up, um, I was wanting to let go of like things because I had like my textbooks I had things and I literally I was to keep that book forever since I was 16 and just 2021 in February or March or whenever I was cleaning up the basement I decided I'm throwing this away okay. <laughs> so I I think I maybe one day I could find out what the title was if I really you know do some research but yeah mm -hmm. I literally threw the book that, away that, that was the first call okay so then you yeah. have your baby and you realize that things are not being done correctly yeah, well, not well. I didn't throw it away because of that aspect. It was more of for me, like a purge or a letting go. So that's the reason why I did that. It was more of like I don't want to hold on to things because I learned in life that you can only, 
at when you, at the end of it all, all you have is you. Meaning like I when I die, that's all I'm gonna have. Like the body comes with me in the soil or whatever, but none of my worldly possessions will go with me. So don't if it's not, don't hang on to it. Just let it go. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's what I did. I let it go. So take me back to uh the year after you had your baby. Yeah. So the year after I had my baby, also I wanted to make the importance of knowing that, you know, the power of oxytocin is truly real in the birth space. Um, I feel like what I learned from my daughter was, of course, like I said, about the unintentional way that you can be traumatizing someone. I almost even coined it to like, I call rape culture, because I feel like when you are coming, when you go intentionally inside of someone without their knowledge, that is violation. And to me, that is like, I perceive it as rage culture. So that was my first time ever having something done to me like that on with, with different people. And I felt to myself coming out of it. I didn't realize it then. That's the thing. Like, I didn't realize it then. It's only like years later when you felt yourself like, wow, do you know how much times you woke up? And like a few times, not, it was like a hundred times, but you know, like even if it was three times or four, it's like, wow, you know, these people never said you're their name they never woke you up to introduce themselves so that was kind of in my mind like wow how many people are experiencing something of that nature and then it also helped me to introduce me to like the power of surrender because um and I feel like it's important to mention that because it helped me a lot throughout my life the process of surrender meaning that you understand that this is something that you're going to have to go through so it's up to you now to psychologically surrender so it's like telling the mind that my body will go through this and it will complete the task but I would have to let go and so I because I remember vividly like holding on to like the the bed rails like when the contractions comes and then after her dad came um I was like you know what I'm acting up let me just relax (laughs) and I'm gonna let these contractions come through me and when they did literally I opened up like I tell people I was at four centimeters for like 12 hours or something and as soon as her dad came from work I literally went from four to ten and birthed the baby in 40 minutes (laughs) so yeah yeah so I was like everybody laughs when I tell her story like wow she must have been really waiting for her dad and I thought to myself like yeah maybe we all were maybe you were both and I think that that's important to share that because it shows you that um, they claim oxytocin, the love hormone helps the contraction and dilation. And I'm like, hey, I'm living proof that that works. <laughs> so when you surrender to the process and allow love to flow in the room, it's a big thing. And also my mom, because I, I appreciate her. And I want to show that people do walk with you. There's an African proverb that says pregnancy and childbirth is like, um, you know, going across a bridge. Like people can uh, meet you. They, they can greet you. They can meet you. But you have to walk the bridge alone. So I feel like I appreciate those that walked with me. And I also, and uh, a lot, you know, uh, was with me as I crossed my bridge. Let's just call it that way. So I appreciate it for being with me as I crossed the bridge. Okay. So after my daughter's birth, so I worked at um, K, um, Kings County Hospital, the mother baby unit for about six years. I also worked in pediatrics for a year at the same hospital. And, oh, and that's what got me into the other routes of midwifery. So while I was working there, I saw, cause working with midwives as well too, cause I'm a mother baby unit and I saw that one of the midwives had a different credentialing she had CM and I was like what's that <laughs> so I was like hey like tell me about your pathway I see your credentials to CM what does that mean she's like oh that means I'm a certified midwife um I am did not go to nursing school to be one I just went and did my master's and did so and I was like really that's a pathway like that's a thing and so I was fortunate in that regard to have that experience with those individuals or those types of midwives I mean they had CNMs there too but that was what was really like hmm, that's different and that program was offered by SUNY Downstate which is literally literally across the street from my hospital Kings County Hospital and so I thought oh wow you know I can you know become a midwife yeah and I'll just do that. So I remember meeting Ronnie Lynchman and we had an interview and it was like three of um, the nurses out there um, from my unit were like, yeah, let's go be midwives. And I didn't get in. One of us did do, um, got into the program. So in my mind, I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to apply next year to claim the pool is full this year. Let's see what happens next year. But in the midst of it all, I, as I started, you know, looking into the internet, for me, it was not a, a big thing, the internet back then, like when I was 16, it was like more of a book, go get a book, read a book. And I was like, you know, just looking, looking, looking. I saw that there was another pathway called CPM. And I was like, what? You know, like there's another pathway. And wow, this one, you don't have to do your master's. I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to do this. I I tell people, I call it like the Holy Grail effect, like that night at the job, supposed to be doing work, but I'm like, man, I need to get out of here. (laughs) So (laughs) I 
<laughs> literally, I was like, I gotta get out of here. I got dreams. And, um, <laughs> and so I remember finding it and I was like, oh, wow, what do I got to do? And so there were, I, because of my experiences in nursing school, it made me very, um, um, intentional about saying I'm going to go to a, an accredited school because um, that the nursing school I went to they just got their accreditation and they were you know doing all the things to keep it and so I was like I oh, know I want some an accredited school so I looked on you know the page that I can't remember what page that was or that website and they only had a few it was like a handful of them so the thing that came to my mind was like okay I don't know nobody in Maine I don't know nobody in Texas or El Paso I was like okay well there's one in Florida and so because I have family in Florida so I'm like okay I'm going to apply to it and I would say all the uh, all things aligned up for me in that regard because um you know bless God bless my grandmother Myrtle Nugent she um um, she, she had transitioned. And so she, my mom was caring for her or with her as well in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And so before my mom relocated somewhere else, I said, Hey mom, I got into midwifery school. Well, I applied to the Florida school of traditional midwifery. Let me mention them. Cause I'm really grateful for that school. They, they, and I'll explain later. <laughs> and so I said, Hey mom, I'm, I'm going to pursue midwifery. I applied to a school in Florida. I got in, I need your help. And my mom, I would say she surrendered herself to me. Like okay, like I'll move where you move. I'll help you. And so, cause I know I would have needed help because I had a little one with me. And so, um, I remember the interview day and the lady at the time or the president at the time was her name was Diane. And she says to me, so Christina, how serious are you about being a midwife? And in the office at FSTM, they have like these big bay windows and the windows were open. And I was like, do you see my mom from New York in the car rental <laughs> sitting out there with my daughter? I'm like, I'm very serious about this program. Like I'm very serious about being a midwife. And she was like, okay, enough said. And I got into the program and we relocated to Florida. Um, well, I did, my mom was already there. And so she relocated from Fort Lauderdale up to where I was gonna be staying, which was pretty much the outskirts of Jacksonville it was called Orange Park. So um, now my journey into midwifery, um, that to me was um, educationally or academically, it, to me, it was not difficult. Um, the reason being is because I was, I already did a, a four-year, you know, nursing program and oh, was working as a nurse for about six years in mother baby. Hey, cause you know, that was, I was like, I need to be anything mother baby. <laughs> and so it was, it was not foreign to me. It was just like, so I, and I'm grateful. I, I feel like God knows everything or knows best because I was grateful because at the time I also had a little one. So if I came from like a full day of school and clinic and then my little one would come, I would come home to her and she'd be like, hey, mommy, let's play with stickers. I'm like, well, I ain't studying. Let's do these stickers because <laughs> I was like, what am I going to do? I'm one person and I she needs me. So if it's just playing with stickers or watching a cartoon with her, that's what I'm going to do. And I would intentionally like wake up in the closet or early, like an hour early in the, and just study in the closet. And like, I had to drive like an hour to school, but long story short, um, my journey to midwifery was the biggest part of it was financially. That was super stressful. I mean, very, very stressful um, due to the fact that I was the only breadwinner in my household. I had my mom with me who was pretty much staying at home and homeschooling my daughter because we didn't have, she was young and I did not want to put her on a school bus whatsoever. And so I'm like, well, we're going to homeschool her. So my mom would um, supplement and homeschool her with me. And um, so that was tough. And uh, well, yeah, so I also because I had an undergrad already, uh, when I was applying for additional funding, I already reached my cap, because I went to a private school. So I was like already $60,000 in debt, which was that's what I said to me it was like, Oh, that's an atrocity because at all the dreams of like, Oh, I'm gonna go, you know, tra do traveling nursing, because they were recruiting us very big in our senior year. And I was like, I'm gonna pay off my student loans, it's gonna be great. And, you know, so I was like, what am I gonna do? And, um, but God made a way. I was grateful. Um, so, uh, cause I was saving up for my daughter for her school. Like if she ever decided to, since she was born and, um, I was able to utilize the funds that I did there. I mean, I maxed out all my funds from my 401k, my pension. I have none of those things anymore and the money <laughs> that I saved. So I just literally used every resources in my being and my, my dad did help me as well too, to make it happen. So finances to me was the hugest thing that was super stressful, um, so stressful that in my senior year, I really, I don't know if I ever, well, let me share. Angela was one of my preceptors in Florida. Yeah. And I would, I, I, 
I tell Angela, or I've told her this in the past, that I really appreciate her being my preceptor because she was actually the first preceptor that was kind of like, you know, go ahead, catch that baby. And I'm like, wow, this is like the first birth we've ever had together as me being your student and you being my preceptor. And she was just like, you got this, go do it. And so I appreciated her hands-off technique. And I also appreciated how she was willing to go like beyond the average preceptor in my mind to ensure that you were getting the skills necessary to be, to function in the space. So I, and um, so that's just my person. I want to go deeper, deeper into it, but I appreciate you, Angela. Mm, Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. So um, yeah, so it was stressful enough that my senior year though of midwifery school, my blood pressures were going through the roof. I remember some nights um, laying in bed and I felt like steel was passing through like cold steel was passing through my body and I remember going to three births it was in with actually with Angela and I was with a birth center and I remember going back to back to three births um one night and I remember the last final birth I really felt like something was wrong like I felt like okay I do not feel myself I was feeling like somewhat like sluggish so they checked my blood pressure like oh my god it's like 200 and change over 100 and change and so after they cleaned up post um, for the mom, they took me to the ER. And I remember just resting and sleeping in the ER on a stretcher with a warm blanket. And when the doctor came to see me, my blood pressure was like 130 over 80. And I thought to myself like, oh my God, I guess this is lack of sleep and stress induced that can raise my blood pressure through the roof. And I thought to myself like, this is, I would say the biggest issue or problem within midwifery, the lack of being able to support yourself financially, and then also having to be on these, you know, but I feel like you don't have to do birth so, and so condensed. It's just that if you, uh, for me personally, I needed to finish the program. Like that was not a thing. So if I had to join 10 practices, so be it. (laughs) I was just that kind of person. Like, I don't care. I don't care. Like, I know it sounds crazy, but I was like, even if I die, so what? I'm going to be a midwife. And that was just my mind frame. I feel like that was what was needed for me to finish because it felt like it felt heavy and it felt hard to go through the process. But I knew that this was something that I needed to do if so be it. And so be it. That's what was going to get done. And once I graduated, my blood pressure went back to normal. Thank God. (laughs) So that was my journey into midwifery. (laughs) Well, and I think that, you know, you've hit on a lot of key points. the difficulty um, of financial aid for midwifery school mm-hmm. and the difficulty of supporting yourself through school. Mm-hmm. Preceptors need to do a really a better job at relinquishing control <laughs> and letting their students have experiences that are going to give them those skills. What I provided, you know, should be the norm everywhere. Mm-hmm. I feel like some midwife practices do a lot of gatekeeping you know, where you could be a third year student, but they're like, well, I don't know, you have to prove yourself to me before I'm going to let you do anything. But how do you prove yourself if you're not allowed to do anything? Which is very harmful. And I even learned that even in my own, you know, experiences with parenting, you know, like when my child's like, well, if you don't let me do it, how would you know? I'm like, wow, you're right. You know, okay, I'm going to let go. (laughs) Because now that gives her the opportunity to critically think and to make her own muscle memory, because muscle memory is really big. Um, Like I said, you can read a book, but when you actually put those practical skills into play, that is all the difference. And I tell people that even student midwives that come to me or aspiring midwives, and I said, honestly, you're not going to learn your true skill set until you're actually on the field. I know it seems like you need to get it all in midwifery school or nursing school or any school. And even when I went and matriculated through nursing school, I realized that I, the, what I learned truly was actually when I was in the field, not actually off the field, reading it in a textbook. <laughs> so I tell them rest assured that having the general knowledge is great, but when you're going to get the real refinement is truly when you're on the field. Cause now you get to know it for yourself and you know how to pl- apply the information for yourself. So, yeah. Yeah. Do you want to speak any to what your experience was um, being a Black student in the midwifery world? Yeah, you know, that was a very interesting experience. I'm going to keep it real. Like, Do <laughs> it, it was interesting because I am from, <clears throat> I'm originally from Brooklyn, New York. And so that's a predominantly, well, it used to be a predominantly Black area. Like I've only had Black teachers. I've only had Black friends go to church, everybody Black or, you know, from Caribbean background. So coming to midwifery school, I mean, I only had like one, um, a friend that was, um, 
was not black. She was a, a white lady, but in, I was in, that was when I was in uh, working at my job at Kings County hospital. Um, and um, we, we became like really, really close. Like that was my girl. And so, and I mean, people are people, they're human, but the same token, even though it was like, it was still my environment. You know what I mean? It was just one person, but it was not necessarily like, oh, not your environment. It was just like, oh, it could be, she, she could have been green. I don't care. It was still your environment. But coming into a different area that was predominantly white, it was different because you can tell like the exchanges were somewhat different. Like I remember feeling that way or even having experience with a mom um, um, as a student. And she almost, it was, it, that was a little, that was a little weird for me. <laughs> like it almost, you could almost feel this kind of like, you know, I don't know, like don't touch me vibe. It was kind of interesting because I've never experienced that. And, you know, and I've worked with people from, for years. And I mean, thou I would call it now thousands, especially since I worked as a, a nurse in New York. So I've worked with plenty of people, um, but it was just more like, I've never experienced that kind of like, ooh, okay, you know, this is an interesting kind of vibe. And I do feel like, honestly, culturally people, cultures are different. And it's just that, but it's not to be like a bad thing. It's just different. And so for me, it's more, I felt that it is important to have, to be a part of your culture or in like, you know, it's, when you have like, it's almost like no more family. That's what I feel like culture to me is. It's like all of a sudden you were, you're dropped in another planet or another family. And now it's like no more family. Your family is, this is your family now. And I say you can adopt to your, I'm not saying you can't adopt to your, to your new family, but I feel like a part of you will always yearn to be like, I really want to know how my mom is or my dad was or my brother or my sister. You know, it's like a different longing now when it's when you're in somewhere else. So it's not necessarily like a bad thing. It's just like you start your heartstrings start to pull and tell get you like, I really wish I could be with my mom right now. <laughs> and so I feel like the impact of even in, um, enslavement of black people or African people that has really played a part in feeling like uncomfortable in spaces because some spaces you're actually not wanted and some spaces you are greeted and wanted and you you feel the embrace and you feel the love and you enjoy being in their space but then there's another thing that just tugs at your heart strings it's like I just want to I, I also want to be home and so that is the reason why I even started my practice and call it Black Sisters Midwifery because I felt like we felt I felt like we were scattered across the nation or scattered across the country and it's like people were longing and feeling like orphans and I know I'd never been an orphan so I could only imagine but I felt in this experiences I felt like wow now I know what it feels like to be an orphan you know what I mean now I know how it feels like to not have your family with you anymore you know and so yeah so that would be my experiences, but it wasn't never, I never felt like it was bad, if you know what I mean. It just felt like it, it was something new to get used to, and it was not necessarily home. That's what it felt like. I just felt like I was away from home, but it was not saying that the, the environment I was in was bad. It was just like, I miss home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. And how was it when you got out of school? What, what'd you do? What happened? Well, I feel like God just had to pull me through the journeys. <laughs> Because as soon as I finished clinicals and I graduated, I sat for my NARM, I passed that, but I had an issue with my nursing license that kind of put like a halt on my um, getting my midwifery license for a year and a half or about a year actually. And so as soon as I got that rectified and I opened up my practice within the six month span, Angela helped me with that too. Thank you, Angela. Um, I, I started practice. I was excited. I was super excited. Uh, excited like I, I was just lining up all the ducks in a row you know marketing and that's a big thing I tell midwives or any birth worker like you're a you're an entrepreneur you're a business person and so you have to function and understand how to function in that capacity like oxytocin is great but oxytocin can't pay your white light bills your water bills so you're gonna have to figure it out sis and um you make so, amazing yeah. websites I say it again you have amazing website development Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and that's another thing I, I pair it to my just being a creative and just being go with the flow. I've always been that way. I tell my daughter, like, you'll be surprised what a few strokes on a piece of paper can start to become. So I tell anybody like, it's like life, like you'd be surprised what a few steps can do for you. You know what I mean? Like you're going to start painting masterful pictures through your footsteps. I promise. So keep walking. All right. Somebody's gonna look at your path and like, wow, <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So what happened was though, when I started practicing, we had a, there was a big void because once again, it was like, 
wow, am I the only black midwife in my area? And yes, I was the only black one in my area. And so now I'm like, now I'm an orphan again. Like where's the sisterhood in that regard? Like there's, it wasn't there. And I had met a uh, midwife after graduation. Her name was Brenda Francis. I love her. I call her my mama midwife. And um, like, I get all the hugs and cuddles when I see her. Like I jump in her arms, literally like, oh man, I miss you so much. And um I, I felt like, you know, everybody should have an experience where they feel like this is who I want to jump into their arms or, you know, I want to sit at her feet, like literally, like I could just graze and just sit at her feet because that that's like how I envisioned and I know midwifery used to be because we used to sit at our mom's feet or our grandparents' feet or whoever was the person doing these things or even I, I, I up compare midwifery to um, an art. It's an art. It is like, and the way to be a master, to master or to have mastery of that art is to do continuously do it. Cause I, they say practice makes improvement. I learned that from Les, Les Brown or Lester Brown. He was like, you know, practice makes improvement. And I was like, you're so right. Cause I used to be, I was taught like practice makes perfect. And I was like, that's so wrong. And so I've always been like over refining things to like, it felt like, you know, to your detriment. And now I realized like, no, I'm going to pause practice makes improvement. And the, you, the more you practice, the better you become. And it's okay. You can always get better. It's all right. That's life. You're always getting better. And um, you, at times you're gonna have to remind me sometimes, Angela, cause I might pivot. Oh, so I met Brenda and um, I realized that it was so important to have like camaraderie, you know? So once again, hence why my name, Black Sisters um, of Midwifery Services, it was like, you know, cause sometimes people are like curious, like, okay, is that a black practice? Or cause people are looking for um, people that are maybe a black midwife and that's just real, you know? Sometimes I'll interview somebody, I'm like, yeah, so why do you call me? She was like, you can tell me the truth. Is it because I'm black? You know what I'm saying? Like, because <laughs> you know, you want to know. Because I'm like, listen, just because I'm black don't mean that we need to be together. You know, because not everybody. They claim there's a phrase that we say like, not all black folk is kinfolk. Meaning like, I, I, we may be, I may be the same color as you are, but it doesn't mean that we may have the same culture, beliefs, likes and dislikes. We're different. Everyone's still uniquely different. I, um, I learned that, like, I love that from Nina. What's it called? Lilo and Stitch. Like. Um, like we're different, but we're still family, but even in the family, you're still uniquely designed differently, you know? So long story short, um, I don't even know what our point was in regards to why we're on this topic or maybe about my practicing, right? Yeah. Yeah. How'd your practice go? Yeah. And so, oh, so pretty much, let me just boil down to the reason why I, I branched off all over to the schooling aspect. So when I was doing birth as a midwife, I noticed that there was, I felt like this was not right. Meaning that I felt like the clients had this kind of perception of like, oh, the midwife is here. The one that delivers my baby or delivers me. And I'm like, wait, where did this notion come from? Like, like, like almost like you're broken, like the mom or some infinitely she's broken. So I just felt like I didn't feel comfortable in this, this, these thought patterns or, or even me feeling the same heaviness of like, yes, I, I'm, I'm the one that's going to be risking my life to be your midwife. And I just thought that this paradigm was this misconstrued. And I felt like there needed to be a big, um, a big switch or a conscious switch back in our mind frame that no, the, this work is your work. You know, this is what you do. Birth is what you do. And you were designed to birth your baby. You know, I, if anything, thank you for allowing me to be here. And if you need my help, I'll assist. But the, the, that's, you know, like, let's change gears and have a more conscious understanding that this is the work that you do, not me. So because of that heaviness, I felt like, no, I need to go to do teaching as well, as well in conjunction to midwifery. But what made me pair off now to start Black Sisters Birth Academy is that I, before coming down to Florida, because I was leaving New York, coming to Florida to go start my practice, and I was looking for to train my birth assistant. And so I was actually looking for a black led um, training and there was none. Um, I did see one <clears throat> that looked like it was done like randomly or sporadically by, and God bless her soul. Her name was um, Claudia Booker, a midwife in DC. And, um, but it was not something that was offered all the time. It was just like random. And so I was like, well, let me train her. I'll train her myself with my, in conjunction to uh, my, um, my midwife that I met in Florida, Brenda Francis, bless you. <laughs> and so she, um, 
as I was talking about it and, you know, putting it together, um, uh, a, me, a friend who was also a midwife and she was like, oh, I have a few young ladies that would love to train as birth assistants. Would, would you mind if they join you as you train your one? And I thought to myself, sure. Um, but I tell people like, uh, I, I guess I'm a little over the top. I mean, I, I, I don't think so, but I just love, you know, for me in my heart, I always love to give people the best. That's how I was taught. I taught, I was taught not to just give like a little flimsy something. I always was taught, you know, you leave places and people better than than you found them. And so um, I, I, I was very intentional. I created a, a manual, like a hundred page plus manual, um, you know, got things together. And so, <laughs> yeah, like I was very, you know, I just, uh, and also, so I did it. And so when I, I remember that first class and I remember one of the students told me, Christina, you know, guess what? You're the one. And I was just like, the one I was like yeah you're the one you did it you made you know you know and I'm like oh okay the one I, I don't know but what happened during that workshop I was what really moved me to do it again is that we took a break from teaching or I took a break from teaching so everybody here's our 10 minute break and I remember sitting at the island <clears throat> um on the uh chair and I remember um the chair was a was it like a pivoting chair or you know so anyways I pivot and looked at this you know the scenery and I remember the ladies were like some ladies were on the couch laughing and giggling some woman was out there in the in the at the poolside you know hand expressing her milk in a bottle and talking to somebody like she knew her forever and I thought to myself like wow Wow, I've actually created such an amazing space where people are so comfortable to just be themselves. And I, I was like, you know, I got to do this again. And I've also, I had like people crying uh, during it, like, you know, so grateful for me doing this and this training. I thought to myself like, wow, this is amazing. I have to do this again. And so I started doing a few more. And I remember even the second one, somebody, I keep all my students notes, like one wrote me on a piece of napkin, like, you know, you're changing lives. And, you know, she's thanking me for, you know, doing the training. And I thought to myself, like, wow, I just, I didn't, I never thought I would be like changing lives. I just thought I was like doing a service, you know, and I didn't realize your service does change lives. You know, your, the, the work you do, do does change lives. And so that is what, um, you know, push me to say, you know what, let me do this more consistently. And cons let me tell you, you're going to, you're going to pay the price for consistency <laughs> and discipline because you're going to, you're choosing now to weather the storms and you're going to, you know what I mean? Um, and so, but it's not, I don't think it's a bad price. I think it's an amazing price, meaning that because it's, it's refining you to be who you're called to be. And so that's where we are now currently, um, I started the academy and um it's been a blessing it's been a blessing I know you have a few questions in regards to it so I you know we'll you could follow suit what the next one was in regards to it um I believe in regards to um the sisterhood that was formed there or the community that was formed there with inside of the school so there is we have formed community which was really really nice because now you have people because I've trained people from like across the country so from California to Arkansas Pennsylvania um Ohio so it's interesting to see how they all paired off and kind of like started their own little sisterhood which is cute and they're like from different you know states you know, um, or they'll, I saw one that happened to be in two different parts of Texas or something of that nature. And they met each other and they were like, at a, happened to be at the birth, same birth, but in two different capacities, like one was working as a doula and one as a birth assistant. So they like sent me a picture and I was like, look who I met, you know, like, oh, that's so cool, you know, or I get invited to like weddings. I just got recently invited to one of the students' weddings and, you know, they're sharing like, oh, I'm pregnant, you know, like just all the things. And so it was nice to see, um, you know, community with in community and sisterhood with inside of another sisterhood so it was really nice to see um those things and it also encourages me to like create more pathways of um you know um knowledge or even means or resources or like how can i support them even further um some of the midwives have actually um applied into midwifery school which is pretty awesome um one of them is actually even completing her um she completed her um her numbers and she's about to you know apply for her NARM so those are some really interesting things because I, I was initially like I said I wasn't thinking in that realm it just was like well this is probably this now I felt like it was almost like a natural progression of this is what it is like I you may have thought I wanted you to midwife 
just be a midwife, but God is probably like, no, I want you to teach midwives, you know, like, you know, cause each one can now teach one. So now it's like, you're affecting so much more people actually by training midwives or aspiring midwives versus just me being the one midwife. Not saying that I cannot affect lives by being a midwife, but now I'm one person. So I tell myself a lot, I, I've transitioned. I said, guys, I've transitioned. I'm like the Holy Spirit now, you know, where the Holy Spirit. <laughs> you are, you are, darling. Yeah, I'm like now the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, Christina. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why they call me Christina, right? Like Christina. <laughs> and so I'm like, the Holy Spirit now can like touch people from across the area. And now they can go, you know, attend verse with 10 or four, or 50 or 20. And, you know, so now one midwife makes such a big impact. So in my mind, I was like, well, all praises be to the most high. Cause it's like you, you, what you may think is your, your, your plan. Like I, I always believe that there's another plan inside of your plan, but just trust the plan. Okay. Trust that wherever you're being led is where you need to be. So, um, yeah, that within itself is great. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, the possibility of exponential growth. Mm -hmm, you know the the exponential impact of what you're doing Mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. so if you're planting these seeds and teaching these birth assistants and then they're going back to all of their respective corners of the country and they're impacting the births there they may be training other people too yeah Yeah. I think it's awesome so to me also like oh this is kind of I can I can it's almost it's a phrase like I can dig this like I can feel this like this is this sense you know and so I just kind of went with it and tell me about the actual program what is what is it like what does it consist of okay so right now we transition because first it was a workshop because initially it was just like oh I'm going to do a workshop so it was like a three-day intensive like intensive like training and I would call myself I I get I guess I would say I'm kind of militant and I get it from my grandmother she's very like come on ladies let's do this but I feel like I feel like we are multi-layered or the issues that we may have or the situation, I won't call it issues, but the situations that we're in is multi-layered. And I think that that was the biggest thing for me. Like I didn't realize the impact that I'm having was multi-layered, meaning that it was, it was amplifying like, Hey, you're worth um, being in the space. You're worth um, reclaiming your, your, your bodily autonomy, you're worth serving other people. Um, so it really amplified the worth of like who you are as a human being or as a woman. And, you know, you, um, you, you, this is your birthright. So hold on to it. So I think that that was interesting. So long story short, uh, once I branched off now into the academy, the academy is broken into two phases. So phase one is like your didactic. So you do the online course, you do your external assignments such as NRP, CPR. And I also add an external course of phlebotomy due to the factor that in some states, say for example, California, you need to have had some some sort of um, education or certification in that modality. And so due to those factors, I wanted them to have something that was a little bit more extensive versus just something that was briefly covered probably in a module. Because I know the importance of like venipuncture because I went to, you know, nursing school. So I'm like, okay, you're going to be, you know, you need to know what you're doing if you're going to do it. But know for sure that your refinement comes when you work outside, uh, when you actually now are doing individuals and not like a mannequin. But at least you have like a more thorough, excuse me, a more thorough um, understanding and how to um, do venipuncture, you know, you know, different between a vein and an artery, please know the difference. So those things can be expounded upon on an external project, uh, I mean, course. So after you complete um, phase one and you, um, you know, com- get that certification, um, which is provided by me, then you are brought into phase two and phase two is your clinical experience. So your phase two is where you do um, um, three continuity of care. You do three prenatal visits and you also do three births. And so um, my job is to get them refined before they meet their preceptor, meaning that there is internal assignments that are helping them to get comfortable with being in the presence of people. Because if you're not if this is new to you and you're not accustomed to being in people's spaces, then it's like, okay, let's teach you a framework that's going to um, embody that, you know, like uh, when you're, you're going to do anything or ask to do anything for someone, right. For, cause you're doing it for them. You know uh, it's like, may I, you know, ask for permission. May I, it's just not, I'm just going to start taking your blood pressure. No, it's may I take your blood pressure or may I take your temperature. So getting in a, in a, in a, a cultural understanding of that is how you, address people you know what I'm saying 
<laughs> even if it is an emergency, like, you know, say, you know, say, you know, Sandra, I'm going to take your blood pressure, remember, because it's an emergency or whatever I'm going to do and let her co-sign, even if it was an eye blink, like, okay, got you, you know, but um, recognize her and honor her. So anywho, long story short is that we prepare them to meet into the phase two process so that they're not super green and they're full aware of like, okay, I know what the difference is between norm and abnormal. I know what the vital signs are. I know how to function in this space so that when she now sees her midwife, it's not like, oh, I don't know what a, a Doppler is. And I don't know what the heart tone ranges are. Like, no, I know what the heart tone ranges are. I've done them already before and I'm comfortable being in this space. And um, so my thing is more of teaching them you have the tools and you are and I also let to amplify the fact that they already have the tools I'm really big on amplifying the fact that man-made tools are secondary your primary tools is what God has already given you all right you've got all the senses inside of your body to function in full capacity to assist other people I tell them you have eyes to see you know like a baby crowning you have ears to hear if a mother is grunting because that that vibration or that sound is totally different in each phase of labor so pay attention use your senses God gave you all of them you know nose to smell I tell them like you could smell different odors so you could smell infection you could smell dehydration you could smell these things you know and so I tell them to get in tune with that you know prior to getting into the space and so then they do their phase two and after completion of phase two they get the certification so um, then also I do continuous education in regards to just refinement and so we do skills days and you know modular reviews um, just so they can also have a place to debrief because sometimes a midwife may not have the capacity and explain that to them that it would be great clinical practice for a midwife to always, and I really appreciated that about you, Angela. <laughs> you were very intentional about briefing a student after birth, which is to me very important because there are things that do transpire in at, during birth. And it's so great to have a space where you can actually talk about those things. You know, it's almost like a relationship. It's a relationship, literally. And so it's so interesting that we're having, a lot of people are having relationships but they're not having healthy relationships, if you say, you know, and I feel like a healthy relationship comes with communication because then I could, uh, now you're telling me like, oh, well, I did this because you're like, oh, that makes so much sense. Cause I didn't know really why you were doing that, you know? And so now grace steps into the room, you know, and understanding, and that's a beautiful place when you're on the same page. And I tell them, and that's another thing I tell them about alignment, make sure you're aligned with your, know who you are for yourself. Because when you know who you are for yourself and you're always evolving, but know who you are and comfortable with it, then you can align yourself within partnership with somebody else. And so then there's a mutual appreciation because a lot of times people are misaligned and then that's why you can feel it harmoniously in spaces like, okay, there is a misalignment. You guys <laughs> need to get it together or separate. And it's okay to separate. And a lot of times people don't want to separate, but it's part of life. We're all walking our own paths and I'm teaching them that. It's just that sometimes we are blessed enough to meet people on our same wavelength and you just go with that wave until it's no longer, if it happens and it just, it's life. <laughs> so, yeah. So do you want to tell me a little bit about your book that you wrote and how was that process? That was fun. It was fun, actually. I really, I love that process. There was a small process that was a little bit frustrating because I got a uh, illustrator through Fiverr. It's a outsourcing company and they happen to be like in India. And so <laughs> that was a little, a little bit of like, a, oh boy, but you know, you just got to deal with it. The meaning, the reason why I was saying that is because the timeframes were different. So like their working hours and not my working hours, like they're trying to send me emails or the individuals, one person, you know, at 3 a.m. And I'm like forcing myself, like Christina, remember, get up at 3 a.m. So because if he has any questions to ask you, you're going to, you know, because I'm very meticulous about how I want things, <laughs> meaning like uh, I... I, I did sketches, I showed him different photos of how I want certain things to be presented so it becomes, so it could bring it to life for him. So I'm very vivid about drawing and painting a picture so that he can, you know, create that for me. And I tell, I told my daughter, I was like, no offense, her name is Nia, I said, no offense, but making this book, once I opened it to see the sample, I said, it felt even a little, little bit like bigger than birth or better than birth because it was like, because the reason why I say it was better than birth is only because birth is different. I have no say on what you're going to look like, how you're going to behave. Uh, you're you're a free being. I'm a vessel, okay? So you're passing through me. You are taking some of my genetics and your dad's genetics and you're you're just whenever you when you're born is like a true mystery, right? But a book felt like, oh my God, I 
it was like a walking, breathing, like I probably like how Einstein or Frankenstein would be not more better than that. But it's like, wow, I brought a real baby to life. And that's literally what it felt like when I opened it. Like I knew how she would function or I knew how she would talk. And that was really, really cool. So I truly enjoyed that process. And I plan to actually do more maternal child health books, um, centering those information. And I, I found like I felt like I found another like gift. And it was like, Instantly, I wrote that book in 15 minutes. So like, <laughs> and um, so I was what's, like, you know what? what's the name of it? Where can we find it? Okay, the book is named my. It's called My Mommy Makes Milk. Of course, I brought a sample for you guys. See, <laughs> my mommy makes milk. Yeah, my mommy makes milk. And gorgeous. Uh, you can find that on Amazon. Um, and it's a lovely story. It's a I call it a sweet poetic story that amplifies the beauty of breastfeeding. So uh, I'm always inviting people to come into this beautiful world and explore it together. <laughs> so yeah, it was really it was really fun. I really would. I would recommend people writing a book. Any, it, it could be a five-page book. I don't care what it is. It's it's so beautiful for someone to read your, you know, your words, and um, it's it's. I think it's amazing. It's awesome. Yeah. Nice. So we have a, a couple more minutes. I just wanted to see what do you have any words that you would want to say to um, other people that are contemplating a career in midwifery. Anything specific for Black students or other Black midwives? What What do you want to say to the world with the last little bit of time we have? Well, what I would say is, um, I wrote down notes, trust the process, okay? Like, trust your path, um, walk with courage, and know that you can do all things. You know, I, I call it, I always, believe, I believe that there's a higher power, but I, in my mind, I'm like, you can do all things through the power of the most high that lives inside of you. Um, and I say that because, as a child, I used to think that God was outside of me, like, you know, and I'm like, no, God lives inside of you. I'm like, oh, he does? Oh, I didn't. And I didn't get that revelation until I was much older that is not outside. Everything that you need of inside, everything you need in this life is inside of you. So believe that and trust that, trust the process, trust the knowing that where you're meant to be, you will be. And the best, the only way to get there is to go through it and to trust that, that, um, that happening inside of your life. Also, um, knowing that you can make all your dreams come true. I truly believe that. Uh, I believe that fear steps into the place of people making their dreams a reality and because they feel like there's some sort of lack. But my my intention is to let you know that all that you need is inside of you and that provisions will be made. You just have to take the first step. And sometimes it's five, six, seven, eight, not, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten steps. Who knows? But trust and believe that you can get there. Um, I'll share um, this before I go is that I remember one day, my daughter was about 10 at the time, and I asked her, what's the word of the day? Just randomly. And she says, perseverance. She's in her room and the door is closed. I'm like, perseverance? You're 10. What you know about that word? <laughs> so I was like, wow, okay, that's an amazing word. Let's look it up. And so I write on our, our marker board and I, it, per, I look, it says, perseverance is the persistence in doing something despite the difficulty or delay of achieving success. And I thought to myself, amazing, that no matter the difficulty, and I felt like it was like God talking to myself, like, yeah, it took you 20 years to be a midwife, but guess what? No matter the difficulty of delay or delay, you achieved your success, meaning that you can get to where you need to be. You just have to have perseverance. You have to believe and believe that it will come through. I'm not saying it's going to take 10 years or 20 years. Who knows? Only you know, right? Only God knows, <laughs> but trust and believe that no matter what you will get to the finish line if you continue if you're persistent about it just keep going just keep going it's like dora dory what's it called from finding nemo just keep swimming just keep swimming like yeah she may have <laughs> forgot her memory but she knew she was going somewhere <laughs> so just keep swimming just keep swimming you'll get there you'll get there and also an african proverb that i love is that you know your baby's not bigger than you because it's you, it came from you and you know what I'm saying and I'm paraphrasing but pretty much just like your dreams like your dreams are not bigger than you they are you it came from you so make your dreams a reality and only you can make that happen so I would say all the best to those that believe in their self and believe in their dreams and remember that the path that you paint is beautiful and it's especially designed for you and that someone is in marvel right now at the work and the steps that you took to be whoever you are meant to be or destined to be. So 
That's what I would say. <laughs> bravo, bravo. You are so inspirational to me, Christina. Your energy, your enthusiasm. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Thanks. And uh, we need tons more midwives. Yeah, plenty. We, we need tons <laughs> more Black midwives. So yeah. I hope that your story is an inspiration to lots of people to heed the call and come join us. Yeah. In this and very... it's beautiful. I mean, I just need to tell you that. Like, I know people want to run from it. And that's why it's like, please, guys, I know it's, it feels hard. But I feel like because birth has been removed from the natural knowing. And now when we become, when we remember that, then birth will be so much better. Meaning like, I remember my friend, she's from Haiti. And she said, midwives, we had midwives in, like almost in every house. She was like, my, I was born by a midwife. And I thought to myself, like, wow, look how... In, intrinsic it was for them or how natural it was to have like midwives all over the place like my great grandmothers both of them god bless their souls they're midwives but no one talked about it in my family until I got into midwifery school and my mom chuckled she's like you know I thought it was funny that you wanted to be a midwife and I'm like really it's like yeah because your great grandmother was one I'm like hmm why didn't nobody tell me <laughs> and if they did who knows it probably blew out my little kid brain you know but it was like this is what we do we assist people because birth is the woman's she's like she's gonna birth her baby period but it's great to have someone with you right that's what life is all about we are going to go through our journeys in life but it wouldn't it be nice to have someone with you sometimes and that's what to me birth is all about like i you're going to do it sis but I, I you know it's great to see you do your work <laughs> it's great to see you <laughs> yes well thank you so much and i'm going to close it off here but um do you want to give us your your website in case people want to get in touch with you oh absolutely so the website is blacksistersbirth.com that's where you can find me on IG, you can find me on two places at Black Sisters Midwifery and also at Black Sisters uh, Birth Academy. <laughs> and yeah, and you can also find me on Facebook with those same names. So it's not hard to find. Um, but yeah, so thank you, everybody. And thank you for being with us. And those that are going to be listening to this podcast, uh, you know, know that, you know, great things are in the making because you're making it happen. So thank you, Angela. Thank you, um, Midwifery Wisdom for um, um, uh, the space to talk about the beauty of midwifery. Yeah. Yes. Thank you, Christina. Yeah. Blessings. Yeah.